this is that other sports show. Let's go. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time. I can't do it like Bruce can. I don't, even want to, I don't even want to try, but I'm just going to tell you it's time. It's time again to do another That Other Sports Show. Hi, my name is Jesse Thomas. With me, as always, is Mr. Jason Valdez. I'm freezing in my living room. I have a hoodie on. I'm about to turn my electrical fireplace on. It's like 40 degrees in Fresno, which is technically freezing. But the sun is kind of out, so maybe it's closer for, to For anybody out. that doesn't believe in hell is freezing over, when Fresno is 40 degrees, and didn't you guys get snow in everything as we well? We did. Dude, you can't, like up in the mountains right now, like Shaver Lake and uh, these other, you know, maybe maybe two hours north of me, like you can't drive out of those towns. Those little Jeez. mountain towns, like you're fucking... You're stuck. You're going to the little local store and buying some shit and going back to your spot, and that's that. It's a fucking big deal. That's huge. I, that right I there, check the weather. That right there is a sign of the coming of the times. I'm taking you're right. I'm checking the weather. It is 56 outside, so maybe I'm crying like a baby. 56 feels like it's well. 56 it, feels like 40 to a Californian. I'm telling you, normally, I, dude, normally I'm cold. it's like 100. What did, what did it get up to last year in the summertime? Like 115? Uh, 115, 118. I don't oh know. Oh, my goodness. It might have broke 120, but it was there were some – I feel like there were some 119 days in there where it's like, all right, you're teasing us here. We're, we're right at the 120. You might as well go over to 120. But, yeah, you're right, Jess. That's a very good topic. Side point. Is it is all <laughs> freezing over to where it's now freezing in Fresno and freezing – Throughout parts of California, it's a, I think like, Arizona got some snow not too long ago. To also, it's just like a week or two or two. You, ago. we have not gotten snow in actual Fresno since nineteen ninety nine. I want to say the winter of ninety eight. Winter of ninety eight was the last time we had actual snow. Like you can go outside and make a snowman, not a big one. Uh, they had snow, I believe, in the foothills, which is I don't know. 30 minutes away, 35 minutes away. And it was like, it was bad where I like people were making full snowmen. So it was, it was pretty bad. So yeah, fuck that. Yeah. yeah. No, you know me. I listen for our, our first time listeners. Shout out to Variety Sports. Shout out to our, our peoples, all of our peoples. I need to shout out. And uh, is it at Jimmy Evans? Is it? Does Jimmy Evans have numbers after his name? No, I think it's just Jimmy Evans. Good old at Jimmy. Jimmy Evans on Twitter. Just an amazing supporter of the show and just a lover of filth. I mean, if you want to talk about oh, at Jimmy Evans for the number four real. Thank there you. There we go. Okay, so yeah, shout out Jimmy. I mean, if you, again, this guy just he appreciates filth, and I he mean. It's good. It's, I mean, he is. He's a, he's a lover of the filthy. He's a lover of the, those filthy women. It's, yeah, some of the stuff, Make I mean, money. I don't know. I don't know how filthy you like your women there, Jess, but some of the stuff, I'm like, when it hits my timeline, I'm like, oh, and I'm like, oh, wait, that's a Jimmy Evans thing because he's replying to it. Something like, <laughs> please sit on my face or something like yeah. that. He's wild. May I give a shout out as well? Please. 
while we're doing shout outs, shout out to uh at Josh Thrash Metal. Yeah, Joshua, Yo, aka the Soup. Yes, second time he's got a shout out on the show because I shouted him out like six months ago. Our the boy. best, the president of MMA Twitter. Uh, just an all-around good dude. Like if you like if there is a rep of MMA Twitter, because that place can get filthy as well. Yes, it can. Uh, he's a guy. Just uh, you know, PG thirteen, wholesome cat. And uh, there's maybe one person that I've actually video replied to in the history of me doing Twitter. And because he video replies to everyone, I was <laughs> like, I'm on a beach, I'm vibing. Let me video reply him while i'm on the beach so shout out yes good call out right there yeah yes all right hey listen speaking of mma twitter ufc 285 was that the number that that was number 285 we were were all over the map last week with our picks (laughs) we uh you went gone and then you went gun to your head bones i went just gun to my head bones regardless yeah I like smart. to choke. I like to choke later in the fight. I like the submission later in the fight. I did not see a submission coming like three moves into the fight. Like that, that shit happened quickly. But we will get into all the fights. This was a very unique card, Jess. I, I enjoyed this card uh, top to bottom. There weren't really uh, too many like, oh, this fight's dragging on. Maybe one fight that I thought was dragging on, but... Uh, some upsets. I was uh, saying out loud, damn, I can't believe Grasso is a, is a minus 2,000 going in. <laughs> and uh, good Lord, if you had the balls to fucking put some money on Woo! her. Shout out to all the, all the people, like our boy, Big Brian Black, who uh, I was at his house watching this fight. And he said out loud, when he realized it, holy fuck, she just ruined every one of my parlays. Because Brian had Valentina in every one of his fucking parlays (laughs) and just flush every one of them. Uh, Let's start with Bonacal versus Pickett. Pickett's first name is escaping me right now, which is unfortunate. Jamie. Jamie. Jamie Pickett. If if he was in Mexico, he'd be Jaime. Jaime. Jaime Pickett. I came into this fight. We came into this fight. Jess, I said it out loud in the room of people who was watching this fight. There's a lot of hype on this guy. Let's see if he can live up to it. Let's see if he can uh, see what uh, if he can get it done under the bright lights, if you will. It's one thing if you're fighting on the Contender Series. It's another if you're actually fighting on you know on a John Bones Jones card for fun. Yeah, of all things, yeah. Uh, he came out and he performed. Jess, any thoughts on this fight? Yeah, I mean he he's. Basically showing the world that somewhere down the line, he became close to, I don't want to put him in world class yet, but he's in that range of grappler. Like his, his submission and grappling is, is uh, above 90% of everybody else in that weight class right now. And that's where his wins are going to come. That's where his wins are going to come from. Uh, Where he's going to run into is the Damian Maya shit, man, where guys are going to be able to stuff the takedowns and stop his, you know, stop his grappling and be able to control that aspect of the game. He's going to have to develop. And if he wants to become a championship contender in that, in that division, he's going to have to develop a stand-up game. That's, that's on par with uh, some of the top strikers in that division. Yeah. uh, I, I was, 
weirdly intrigued by his stand-up. I don't think it was Damien Maya bad no. when you make that comparison. But I think you're right when you it's a guy who's just like I said, super high elite level with the grappling, you know, that wrestling, if you will. But the striking is still kind of we want it. We it needs to be seen, right? Everyone in MMA can throw a big right hand at at the high level you're at. Everyone has like one go to punch or one go to kick or strike, and and you know, we we weren't really worried about it in this fight because he got the fight uh, yeah. down to the ground and was able to move quickly here. And all, all overall, just fucking impressive. I'll tell you what, Pickett uh, Pickett stuck around. He was game when. When Nicole uh, got the initial um, ground position, I thought, all right, he's going to have to move from like a top control to the side control to secure that side choke that we've seen dozens of times in the UFC finish people. And he had a unique position because he didn't have to go to the strong side, if you will, to that dominant side to finish a choke. He finished it from the top, which is yeah. rare and was fucking impressive. So, again, you know, we keep saying super high level of submission skills, and you see it there. So, uh, Jess, next fight, which I enjoyed. Your uh, boy. We said, we said on paper this one could be interesting. I believe you went Turner. I went Gamrot. Uh, Gamrot won split decision. I have no idea what the referee was smoking in this uh, to give Turner – a split decision. I did not think Turner won maybe around, and, and that's me, you know, giving him the benefit of the doubt, which I'm not doing. I, I thought you can easily go 30-27. Gamrot, give me some thoughts on this fight, Jess. Gamrot proved to be uh, more game in the defensive aspect of, of the fight game than I was really lo- uh, looking for. I was expecting him to be way more offensive, which he was at times. And and he and I agree with you. I don't think Turner. Uh, th- there was no split decision. That should have been a u- unanimous decision. Uh, Gamrot for sure. Uh, Turner just couldn't let it loose. He's a he's a big, strong, powerful guy. And Gamrot just pressured and pressured and pressured. Just didn't give him any inches to to make moves. Mm-hmm. And uh, Turner's game relies on spacing. And uh, Gamrod just did not allow that space to happen. And when it did, he defended uh, strikes very well and then and encountered very well. And, uh, I, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, Gamrod won unanimous decision. Should That's the way it should have been. I enjoyed the Bull Matador aspect of this fight. There came a point where clearly you could tell that Turner was the better striker. And when he was able to keep his distance and throw punches, uh, knees and kicks – Uh, he was able to hurt Gamrot. I thought it hurt Gamrot maybe twice in the fight. And what I mean hurt, I mean never really in any serious condition to be finished, but just like, oh, he dropped him. Oh, he he, might have really blocked him there, if you will. Uh, um, But never was really able to get that finish. And and Gamrot just has that skill set where, as I talked about last week, he gets you into that phone booth fight and he can bring you in down, bring you in, bring you down. He got a beautiful double leg takedown in this fight as well. Just the, the, the old school Matt Hughes style takedown. So, uh, yeah, I gave it 3 0. Again, if you want to go 2 1, I can see, but I feel like I'd, I'd be giving Turner the benefit of the doubt. And it's more like, oh, okay, he, he rocked him in that round. So, therefore, I'm giving him that round. But I'm, yeah. I'm not, but I'm not doing that. I thought the, the right guy won. Uh, Jeff Neal versus a guy whose name I butchered multiple times last week, and I'm going to butcher it one more time, Rachmanov. 
Just this fight was a fucking verified, certified banger. I tweeted it. I know Neil came in overweight, and I know you're not supposed to give performance bonuses to guys that come in overweight. But Dana, I hope he found a way to give this guy like a brown paper bag full of money or something because <laughs> this dude showed up to fucking fight. Give me some thoughts on this fight, Jess. Well, I think we both were of the same mind when we were talking about the this fight last week. That Jeff Neal is no slouch. He's he's a he's a strong guy. He's he a was really tough guy. Fuck. Super super game. Uh, kind of came into his own late, like later in in his in his career, or I guess age wise, you know what I mean. But like he's he's in a good spot right now. But Shavkat Rachmanov is just this kid. This guy is on a, he he's on a he's on a different level. He he can outstrike you. He can out grapple you, and he can pull up these crazy submissions. And he's so strong. Like once he got that that cinched in, like it was done. Like there was no fighting out of that that submission, you know, without breaking your neck. Uh, Rachmanov's going to be something to be. To, he he's a measuring stick in that division right now. That's what I, I truly believe that. I think Rachmanov has a ton of upside potential. And I know you look at the record and go, well, the record is just you know it, it's it's diamond level. But once you get into this. You know, the, the highest level of fighting, sometimes you're going to trade some wins and losses. But this was a uh, on a, a skill set-wise, competition-wise. I mean, again, Neil was game. We might have seen the best Neil that night. Maybe yeah. him coming in overweight helped him with regards to, I'm not sitting here trying to cut that extra weight, killing myself, and it's going to cost me late in the fight. Uh, he had pop in his glove for all three fucking rounds. He has a, I, I wish there was someone who I can equate him to MMA-wise. It's difficult. But when I was watching him throw hands, he reminded me so much of Michael Moore. It's that southpaw position, and it's a lot of hooks and overhand right hooks that are just like fish hook lefts. He's just so he was man, he was fucking he really impressed me this night, even in a loss. And again, Rockdemoff cannot continue to walk into shit at this level because the one thing that was <laughs> glaring to me this night is yeah. like, man, he's walking into a lot of shit where if he's, if he's fighting a guy with just fucking thunder in his gloves, it's going to knock him out. And not only that, he was on the end of Neil's like twos and threes. You know what I mean? The first one may not have landed, but then the boop, boop, the second and third one was, you're just like, damn, that would really fuck up your average fighter. That would probably stop three, four out of 10 guys in this division. And Ragnarok's just walking through it. He's not going to be able to continue to do that when he gets to the highest level. He's just not. No one has that chin. I'm fucking sorry. Neil don't have fucking, uh, you know what I'm saying, beast things in his gloves. He's got pop in his gloves. He's got knockout power. And he was fucking rocking, rocking him up. And he just yeah. wasn't going anywhere. He just kept coming forward, which to me was just bananas. I mean. That was pride. It was, that, was, that was pride fight that, shit. That's that pride, reminded me of a pride fight. That's, that's your, that, that shit that you do in sparring which I understand when you're trying, you know, but in the spirit of competition, sometimes, you know, we keep saying it all the time, Jesse, it's about hitting and not getting hit. It's about floating like the butterfly and stinging like the bee. It's about, again, bull matador. Like, 
ultimately you want to take the least amount of damage while inflicting the most amount of damage possible. And if, and if part of you inflicting the most amount of damage possible is you, you know, taking some to give some, I get it. But my guy was in the line of fire, like a, a little bit way too much for me. And I ain't his corner, man. You know so, what I mean? Like, Speaking of Rachmanov, we had another welterweight on this card, undefeated welterweight. And he also won his fight that night to continue his un, his unbeaten or his uh, un, un, uh, unbeaten streak. Uh, Ian Gary. Yeah. What if we match up Gary and Rachmanov in an upcoming? Rachmanov would would murder him. You think that it would just be murder? Would murder him? I'm yeah. telling you, Rachmanov has this saw, crazy. He's got the so he's got the Terminator I, thing going on where he just. I saw walks Gary hurt in that fight. By the way, Jess, the fight he fought earlier in that night, I saw him hurt in that fight, and I and and maybe twice, but he was rocked really well in that first round, like like badly walked into some shit. I I, I don't think. I don't think he can exchange with a guy like Rachmaninoff. Fuck, no, he can't. Man, looking at this card, like there, this card was fairly stacked. There's that a was. lot of big. There was a lot of big names. A the lot Gar- of a lot Garbrandt, of like kind of the Garbrandt fight was boring. The Garbrandt fight was Garbrandt great. is Brunson boring. Fight I don't know. Great. The yes. Duplass. Yes, we keep talking about Duplass. Like this guy is the real deal. He's got to move up to that main card here or main events on fight nights. Like. Guy's the fucking real deal. I'm telling, I'm telling you. you, Derek Brunson has become the Brooklyn brawler of the UFC. So weird because he had that run where it's like he did. He's the next guy, and then you just you lose two or three. But I mean, he's he's either fighting top level, like that's true, top three ranked guys, or guys that are now getting bumped in the top three. So you know my, you know what I say when you're losing to the elite of the elite, it's okay. Like we saw it happen with. Uh, with this Chandler guy who's getting a fight with McGregor, so it happens. Uh, next fight, Jess. Next fight, because I, I get I, I love that fight, but credit to Rockmanov. Again, if, if my, any advice to his corner and who the fuck am I other than some idiot on a podcast <laughs> talking into a microphone? But it, you just don't let your fighter take that much damage, dude. Like hit and not be hit. The big upset, Jess. The fucking Woo. minus two thousand. Valentina Shevchenko, bullet herself. Alexa Grasso. You and I gave this gal absolutely no fucking chance. And based off those first few rounds, I believe we had reasoning for giving her no chance. I don't think she won any of these rounds. I don't think they were blowouts. I just think she was getting comfortably out outstruck. Give me some thoughts on this fight, Jess. So this is, this is a conversation <laughs> that we had last week again about Valentina Shevchenko. We, I, I had mentioned, I would like to see her come in and get a dominating victory, a head kick KO, a, a pound yeah. TKO, a mm-hmm. submission against a really, really tough opponent, but not like in the fifth round. Like, let's see you finish a person in the first, second round. Like, show your dominance, right? Uh, and again, she just, she just let Grosso kind of hang in, and and we gave Grosso a bunch of points. You know, like, yeah, she's tough, she's tough, she's tough, and she is. But she did not belong in the winner's circle that night. She had lost every uh, round. In, in my in my opinion, she had lost every round. And like you said, made, not, they weren't convincing, like, oh, Valentina dominated that round. But she lost every round, and then Valentina fucked around, and she done found out. It's weird because while, I'm, while I watched the fight, and again, I was watching it with two or three people whose MMA opinion I respect. 
when you watch it, that's kind of the theory, right? She fucked around and found out she made a mistake. And when you make a mistake on this level, you know, those, those weird transitional spots that I love to talk about on this, on the show where fights are won and lost, right? She's in that weird transitional spot from throwing a spinning kick because she loves throwing spinning shit. She threw a spinning kick in the first two or three minutes of the, of the first round. And I swear to you, if she would have hit any, she could have hit Nagano with this kick and she would have fucking knocked him out. Like, this was one of the hardest kicks I've ever seen thrown in a fucking fight. I was like, God damn. And oof, let me tell you, there was some smoke on this kick. Um, but she was in that weird transition and Alexa backpacks her, you know, grabs her by the hips. And I, the thing that was mind blowing to me, and I think I tweeted it, I just didn't understand it. She goes to, she gets backpacked and Valentina just drops on the floor like she's dead, which I, there was no fight. There was no struggle. There was no, let me, let me, let me backpack her and get her against the cage and see if I could figure something out. Dude, she backpacked her and Valentina just dropped like a, like a fucking phone out of your pocket, like just straight into the ground. <laughs> it was unbelievable, dude. And, uh, Credit to Alexa, because afterwards, I know it's going around social media now, there's the video of her drilling this. There's the video of her coach going, hey, man, Valentina's going to throw a dumb spinning shit, and when she does, backpack her ass. And she's training on it, and you see it. So when you see it line up in the fight, you go, oh, fuck. No, she was actually just smart, and the high IQ is the one thing that was the difference. And it reminds me so much of... The fight that's upcoming in a few weeks, Usman against Edwards, where Edwards drilled that kick. And although he was losing every round, he knew I've got to drill and throw this kick at some point just to see what happens. I got to see if if Usman makes this mistake and if I throw this kick, what happens? He did. You drill it for a reason. It works. She did. You drill it for a reason. It works. Credit to fucking her. Um, I would, I would assume Jess, she's probably going to be fucking minus 1000. If they, if, if they do an immediate rematch, I know Valentina said she wants to. a rematch. I know she said she wants to rematch. So it's, it's interesting, right? Jess? So that's what you think. Is, is that the thought process here? We don't fuck around. We don't try and throw anybody else in the mix. We don't try and shake up the division here and say, nah, Valentina, sorry. It's, it's, she just goes right back into let's, let's run it back. I agree. I, I that's 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 my mindset right now. Even even if Grosso would have came in and just storched her in the first thirty seconds, just flat on her back, laid her out, I still say you rematch that fight because <laughs> Valentina Shevchenko has been such a dominant champion and is such a dominant fighter throughout her entire career uh, with the UFC that she has proven time and time again that you know although at times she lacks the mental you know like fluidity inside the cage to continue doing whatever she's doing, she kind of gets soft in the cage. She still wins fights, and she's been the champion for a while. She's beaten all the people that she needs to beat. Grosso comes in. It took her four rounds to really just hope and pray for that one open, and and it's a fight, so that's what happens, right? Like you yep. can be losing every every second point. of that fight. You just gotta wait in in for that that one time that they the other guy screws up up, and then you attack that point, and that's what Grosso did. And the fact that her trainers and, and her sparring people and everything were having her drill that over and over and over saying, hey, man, this is what she does. We have to watch out for this. Credit to her her coaching staff 
mm-hmm. for just keeping her mind right. Imagine being the coaching staff of this uh, of Miss Grasso as she's getting her ass handed to her for four rounds. And they're just saying, hey, look, just hang in, right? She's going to slip. She's going to slip. You just hang in there, hang in there. Keeping her mind straight, keeping her mind just spicy hot on the fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Instead of instead of her mind, you know, kind of wandering off and starting to think like, damn, I'm losing. What do I mm-hmm. need to do? Yep. Start, get, start getting in your own ears. Well, exactly. I, think that, I, think, I think what happens in between that third and fourth round or fourth and fifth round is sometimes fighters – are content with the participation trophy, if you will, yeah, where they yeah. go, where they go. Well, you know what? I can say that I went five rounds with Valentina and I didn't get fucking knocked out. That's a that's a stitch on my belt. You know what I mean? That's a it's a a personal accomplishment, if you want, right? But I I, I think you know, like you said, her group, her her corner keeps in her ear. Try this, do this. If you see this, don't you know? Don't get yourself down. Because How- we see it a lot in in, in uh, combat sports where a yep. corner will let the fighter down, give them bad advice, or, or give them you know or, bad you know. Or the opposite, Jess. Or the opposite is what I was just about to say is where you see the corner going. What the fuck are you doing? You've lost every round. Yeah. You need to do something now. You're about to lose this fight. You got to fucking take a shot. And then the fighter goes out and they proceed to take no shot. We've that seen too. that, yeah. I feel like, There's more than too. anything. So for Grasso to, like you said, stay focused, stay composed. 90% so, hey, you know, I might be getting my, I might be losing these rounds. I might be getting fuck kicked in the head, but I'm avoiding major damage, if you will. She's winning in a point style fight, but I'm not getting my fucking head caved in. I haven't taken any. Damage, damage, if you will, where you're like, oh damn, she got rocked. Watch out. There was there was really no moment that I recall in that fight where Grasso was in like legitimate danger as no. much as as much as it was like this is a point fight, 10-9, rounds. These might be close to rounds. They're still Valentina rounds. Like that that was the that was what the fight was molding into. Shevchenko over her past three or four fights has fought an older style or older version of George St. Pierre. Mm-hmm. That that's that's the comparison I'm gonna make. St. Pierre St. Pierre was a very he he was very dominant champion. And then at towards the end, he got to a a place where he was comfortable just being so good and so much more athletic and more so much more strong than his opponent that he would just kind of just dink and dab around the the cage and just win points and takedowns. And that's what Shevchenko is at right now. And hopefully this loss will wake her up and bring that champion mentality back to her. The one that created such a buzz for her, the one that got her the belt wrapped around her waist and let's see if that's a change. Because if not, then Grosso, I mean, we could and, – and see, here's the thing about this fight, too, is I saw a fighter dominated for nearly four rounds and still win. So it doesn't tell me that she's going to beat Valentina in the second fight either. Yep. I'd yep. still have my money on Valentina because I yep. saw Valentina win four straight rounds. Yep. That's the interesting thing with Usman versus Edwards, which of course we'll talk about when we get there in a few weeks. But I, I feel the same way when I start to scratch the surface thinking about that fight. Like, yeah, Usman won every single fucking round and then just got caught in the fifth yeah. round. When I think about the style bender versus Pereira fight, like I think he won every round and I gave then him every round. got caught fucking in the fourth or fifth round. Like this. So that so I don't. And the know. funny story about all that is all three fights: the Chevchenko, the Usman, and and the Izzy fight. 
the corner the corner for the opponent they they called that they said watch for this to happen and yep. watch for these moments and then yep. all three of those fights ended the way that no one thought they were going to end and now we have new champions new champs new fucking champs speaking of new Fresh champs just speaking of new champs here we go john bones jones i'm ready to crown him right now i'll go ahead and say it the greatest ufc fighter of all time the pound for pound king i don't even know who you'd put ahead of him right now but i guess i guess we can have that argument another time i don't know if i'm ready to go there yet but i'm ready to say he's the greatest ufc fighter of all time i have a hard time putting anyone above him now especially after this past weekend he is surreal gone I don't know. I don't know if I'm upset with him. I don't know. If, I don't know where my head is here, Jess. But I'm dying to know where your head's at. Give me some thoughts on this fight. It was two minutes long. I feel like there were. It, it says here there were a total was, of about 22 strikes between the two. There was Something a nut shot. There was a nut shot, then a takedown, and a submission. Like that was basically that the was fight. it. That was that it. was the whole fight. It was here, weird. Here's my thoughts on this: is is John Jones. As much as you want to say he's a fuck up in real life, he, his real personality is is bogus. You can you can talk about all the things that he's done, all the drugs he's taken, all the women he's hit with cars. You can talk about all that stuff if you want to. But the only thing we're talking about right now is what he does inside cages. And all he does inside cages is beat people's asses. And he yeah, leaves nothing. Man. He leaves no stone unturned. When he wins, he wins. That's the thing between – and you're talking about a guy who's what? He's been uh, on like a near year, year and a half layoff. It's three years. It was three, three years. years okay. fucking three He years. comes back. He's, he adds 40 pounds of who knows what, and he comes into the cage to fight a guy who just fought and went – almost beat Francis Naganu. Let's not even forget about that. Gone had Nagano on the ropes several times during their fight. That was not like some easy Nagano. He, he, you know, he won. He won a few rounds standing, few and rounds then Nagano the took him down for yeah. the rest of the fight and won the rest of the rounds. Basically, just John Jones basically has proved I can do whatever the fuck I want and yeah. still come in and beat your best. And then I was listening to the Joe Rogan podcast, and uh, somebody was talking. Joe Rogan was talking about how he had heard stories from the Jackson camp that uh, he he used to be a part of. I don't believe he's there anymore. Uh, how guys would talk about John before championship fights. He would not train for months. He wouldn't even train for these fights. And then he would just wake up one morning and be like, oh, it's fight day? All right, cool, let's go. And then he would deliver wins. This is a this is a man who was built for one thing in his life, and that one thing is to fight. That's it. Straight up champion fighter material. I think about, so the fight itself, I, what, what we wondered was, how is Gon going to do when it comes to grappling? And how is John going to do wrestling with bigger cats? Yeah. And he clear and the answer, I mean, the answers were there. He was able to take down Gon easily. And he was also able to submit him easily. Um, I know Gon is relatively green with his MMA experience. I think they said he has like five years of true training under his belt or some shit like that. He doesn't have a ton of MMA training, grappling training, as opposed to someone like John who's been doing it, you know, pretty much his entire life, as he said, from wrestling with his brothers as a kid to the actual wrestling that he did. 
Uh, Greg Jackson was there, by the way. I, I think he was doing the like moonlighting at different camp things, or he'd be here yeah. for a while, he'd be there for a while. But Greg Jackson was there, so I know he was in his corner. Um, it, he's he, he's at such a unique spot that we discussed previously, where he can probably beat a majority of the people in that division. I'd say, yeah, I don't have it in front of me, but. I think he's going to beat Stipe easily. I don't think that anybody like who's going to give. What's the, what is the rematch? What does the rematch with Don look like? I the exact same. The exact Scott, same. So so what? But what are we talking about a year from now? Yeah, so like say, you say a year does from Don, now. Does, do you so think Don, Don comes Don... back and his wrestling is just that much better in one year? No, he can fuck stop, no. That's where I'm at. Stop John. That's where I'm at. No, you're you're reading my mind here. You're reading the tea leaves, if you will. So are we going to send Gon to legit training camps for a year? Is he going to go train with Khabib for a year and come back after training with Khabib for a year and all of a sudden he can stuff a takedown? I don't know, dude. I don't know. I don't, I suppose against John, again, who's been training and grappling at the highest level, even if it's only at 205, He's still getting thrown in there with big boys. He's still been training with heavyweights. He's still been training with blown up 205ers his entire career when he was training, like you mentioned here. Um, I I just think, he again, he's in a spot where I don't have it in front of me, but I, I did it the, when I came home Saturday night after the fight because I was just like, who the fuck is going to beat this guy? The only guy that I think has a chance, Jess, is our boy, the Pavs, Pavlovich. I think he's the only guy that I look at that go, okay, he's a true heavyweight with a true pedigree that's not that's not going to get fucking swallowed under the lights, but that doesn't necessarily equate to he beats John as much as I just think that's the only real competition in the division. That's really where I'm at, Jess. So, and, and I'll go here with you, and I know you saw the tweets. I know the show retweeted it. Uh, do you? Where do you think Stipe is at? Truly, where do you? How much of a chance do you give Stipe? Realistically, I, I don't. I don't give him more than three minutes in the first round. I, yeah. the, the the point, the reason that I have for that is not that I want to take away from anything that Stipe has ever done, but he also now has been without a fight for a very long time. Yeah, and and, and I, you know, as last time I got just, knocked just, out, and yeah, and last Fighting time he got, got knocked it. out. And and here's the other thing too is is when they showed Stipe in the crowd, yeah. I felt like it was a gladiator moment from the movie Gladiator, Russell Crowe back in like two thousand something. I love this. The the Emperor brings the old aged former champion out to fight the you know the newly up and coming guy, right? And Stipe just reminded me of like the old, like aged and weathered former champion. Like he didn't look crisp and clean and like you know and i and, and i don't know if he's training yet or if he's been training or what his life has looked like but he just didn't look like he's the guy that you want to put in front of a john jones that's possibly hungrier than ever before since he was light heavyweight champion i don't i don't think there's going to be any interview i hear with stipe that's going to convince me Okay, he's in. He believes he can win. He's um he's 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 fully invested. What I and much like you, Jess, I'm basing my opinion off of the reaction 
of Jones talking to him outside of the cage. Stipe looked fucking disinterested. Maybe yeah. he was drunk. Maybe he was drunk. He could have been. Know. My, maybe my guy was on some fucking good edibles. I don't know. But he was, uh, he just looked fucking disinterested. Like, he just didn't look like. He didn't even look like he wanted to be in that seat at that moment. Like, he looked been like there. he did not want to be in the arena. Yeah. Like, exactly. he just wanted no part. So then I, so then again, just I get home and I see him interviewed. And it seems to me like he's just kind of going through the motions in the interviews. Like, yeah, I'll fight John. Yeah. Yeah, we can do it in July. Yeah, I got to do this. I got to do that. But it was like the the generic responses or replies you'd get from a fighter. There was nothing there that showed me he was hungry. Where's that? Where's the fucking? I mean, again, I know he's an older cat, but where's the lion at? Where's the old lion at? Where's well, here. that? I'm I'm gonna go through this right here. This is the top ten heavyweights in the US. Give me division. ten through one, please. Give I'm gonna give okay. One. So number ten, Jerzino Rosenstruck. The dead bones destroys him. Marcin Tibera. Uh he's a good grappler, right? Bones I mean he's a good grappler. Nah, I think Bones beats him. Bones beats Sergey Spivak. I, this is one of those Russian guys that I don't. I yeah. think is really young, and I, I have to. I say I'll say pass. I don't. I, I can't. I can't give a pick. Yeah. What does the Al- Magic Eight Al- Ball say so, when you shake it? It says, "Come back later." Here's the guy, Alexander Volkov. He's kind of an old old lion. The, I Volkov. like Volkov. I like him in Bellator. He's I long. He's he's stringy. He's, a real, like he's a real heavy. He's a real heavyweight. That's a fight I'd want to see. That's a fight I'd want to see. Uh, Tai Tuvasa, number six. I think both destroys him. Destroys him absolutely. I don't think because you know why, Bones is not going to stand with Tui, our boy Tui. He's not going to stand with him. No, he's going to fucking go right to a trip fucking takedown, right to his fucking, uh, right to his hips, and he's going to take that trip, take him down, and he's going to fucking submit him in one round. Yeah, the same way he would probably the next five guys you're going to say. Go ahead. Number five, this could be interesting, but the guy keeps getting injured. And even though he's been considered a heavyweight prodigy, I haven't seen him do a whole lot. That's England's Tom Aspinall. I think you get that. I think that was a fair. I think it's the same thing. I think it's rinse, wash, repeat. Like John Jones gets the, gets the, he gets hooks around the legs. He takes him down, single leg, double leg. He's not a good. Yes, because the thing is, we talked about this a bunch of times. These heavyweights, they're, they're standing bang guys. They're, they're, they're less bang bro guys. They're not necessarily coming from a great collegiate wrestling background or like they came from fucking some grappling, you know, fucking, uh, what about, what's it, what's the old jujitsu AD, uh, Abu Dhabi. These guys came from the Abu Dhabi tournaments and they're just <laughs> like, you're not getting Verdum type guys anymore. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Give me another one. The next one, uh, one of these is going to be the Black Beast, and I'm going to fucking throw my phone across the room. There, there's Go. no Black Beast in the top Take 10, that. but we do have okay. it number four. We have the Pav. Sergey okay. Yes, please give me your thoughts on that fight. See. Honestly, honestly, if you think if you think Bone smokes him, let me know. Because I, I might be I, wrong. I do think Bone smokes him. Wow. I think that, I think uh, Pavla, Pavlich is, he's, he's again a good striker. Uh, he, you know, he can, he's got some kicks. He's got some heavy hands, obviously. Um, his grappling is still not like anywhere near. And this is, this is where, so I'm just going to read them off. Curtis Blades is number three, Cyril Gain, uh, still considered number two. I don't know if they're going to.
He's number two right now. So all of these heavyweights. Who's the one? Thing, John Jones. Jones. John Jones, number one wow, heavyweight. Wow, that's terrible. So here's the here's my problem with John Jones matching up against yeah. any heavyweight right now is the fact that, like you said, the heavyweights in this division currently are not your dooms. You're, they're not even your Roy Nelsons. Like, you know, they have no grappling, like serious grappling knowledge and background. These guys stand and bang and stand and bang until somebody gets knocked out. Of those, of those names you said, there's three fights there that I want to see. And that's let, it. Let me hear the three fights. Spivak, I want to see that. I'm intrigued. Young guy. Aspinall, I'm intrigued. Yep. Again, I'm not saying these guys would win. I'm just saying I, these are the fights I'd, I'd want to see because the other fights I think are fucking one-sided. Yeah. The other fights I think Jones, he, he beats them easily. And the Pavs. Pavs. Those are the three. Jess, give me – is there anyone I'm missing? Please tell me. No, that's it. I mean, I mean, everybody else basically is – and I'm going to use this term again, a rinse, wash, repeat type fighter. They they got heavy hands. They'll stand in the pocket and throw big, big bombs. Bones but isn't doing that with any of those but, guys. But that – and again, we're talking like the great champions. I mean the great – champions in the history of combat sports have always had a good head on their shoulders they manage to figure out their opponent their weaknesses their strengths and they attack the weaknesses and and take the strengths away and that's what jones does if jones sees a guy who is you know a big heavy hitter but has no grappling. He's gonna grapple, fuck the shit out of him, and then take him down, and probably get a submission win within, you know, the first he's three gonna, to four. He's minutes. gonna wear those fuckers out. And, and I, even I'll if he, him, exactly, I'll, he's got I anaconda give, I his ass everywhere. The doubt and say some of those guys might last two or three rounds. But Jess, you're fuck. You're probably a lot more right than I am here. He might be taking these guys down and beating them within three, four minutes. You're yeah, fucked. you're probably right. And, I and the other, the other thing that the thing I like about Jones is is just not not just his smarts, not not just the. I mean, he uses his head inside of a cage, not outside, yeah. but inside of a cage, he uses his head. And yeah. the guy's got like nine foot wingspan. Like you can't avoid being taken Those down by him. He grab your. He can down. single leg you from like three quarters away from the cage, the other side of the cage. Like the guy, the guy's length is so hard to defend. And then if he does get you, ninety some percent, I think, is his takedown rate. He's getting you to the ground. Yes. And if you have no way to get off your back or defend, you're finished. Once he gets you on slippery slopes once he gets these big heavyweights uh a ginger footed if you will right slipping and not not flat footed he's going to be able to create trip takedowns waist control takedowns he's going to be able to take their backs he's going to be able to fucking drag them down with that big fucking frame of his and that extra 30 fucking 40 pounds of big hoss that he put on. However he put it on, whether it's fucking pizza or chicken and fucking rice, whatever it is, he's he's going to give everybody in that fucking division problems. Um, I am here to drink the John Jones heavyweight <laughs> Kool-Aid. I, I love, here's this. I love the idea, knock on wood, that he has the positive career arc where he beats three or four of these heavyweights. He makes whatever, 20, 25 million bucks. And he fucking keeps preaching about being a man of God and fucking prayer warriors. And then he rides into the sunset. He goes, yeah. you know what? I made 
in the last whatever it is, 12, 18 months, I fucking fought three, four heavyweights. I made a fucking lot of money doing it. He beats Stipe. Give him Aspinall. Give him fucking Pabs. Give him one of those guys, right? Have him fucking fight around about and whoever he, whoever wins, he fights. Yeah. That I way agree. he can. That way he can truly have those three, four heavyweights under his belt. And when we look at that resume, the same way we do Daniel Cormier on the way out, went well. Damn, look, he fought this dude. He fought that dude on the way out. We'll be doing the same thing. And going, damn, he beat Gon when Gon was still, you know, when Gon was was just coming off of a championship loss. Then he beat Stipe, and then he beat the Pavs or 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 Stevek or whoever the fuck or Tui or whoever the fuck, and then maybe one more big, you know what I mean, marquee fight, if you will. Maybe uh, you know, maybe Jan comes up from two hundred five to two twenty to two thirty, shit like that. That would be interesting. Who's, Who's that other fuck at 205 right now that's, that was the champion? The guy, Yuri. Maybe Yuri goes up to heavyweight and we get Yuri versus fucking John in a death match, a Texas death match. Like and I'm going gonna, gonna to make a, just a, a slight observance from the John Jones fight. He did look pretty heavy coming in. When he weighed in, he looked pretty heavy. It seemed like he looked slender once he got into the cage. Like, he had gone and been like, man, I don't want to carry all this weight around. Like, he went and it's hit the weird. sauna for, like, three hours and, like, possibly like Shit dropped, out. like, 13 pounds. I mean, the guy did trip. not – he did not look like he was 245 pounds. It's a trip to me because I – I the thing that I was kind of laughing at was that every poster that they had of John in the audience with him with a ripped six-pack. And then he comes out and he's got a little bit of the fucking baby fat, if you will. He, you know, there was like, there was the photo that showed up on the internet after we did the podcast where he was like really fat. Yeah. And then he was on the scale and he was kind of fat. There was some like non-flattering angles that he was shot at. And then he kind of started talking shit about it. Like he was made, like he was trolling himself. He's like, yeah, you know, yeah, maybe my body ain't the best, but I'll still beat somebody's ass. Um, And then he, and then he showed up that night and he didn't, you know, the thing is, Jesse is, you're right. Maybe he did cut a little bit of weight, but we're so used to looking at all these heavyweights where they either look jacked and stacked, like gone, or they look like fucking Tui, where they got where they're kind of fucking fat. And Steve yeah. is gonna come in a little fat, I bet. Steve is like looking fucking ripped. So he's gonna look a little heavy. Um, is there any chance that Steve is able to defend these takedowns, Jess? No, no. I mean, he he wasn't able to defend them against what was a DC. Yeah. Uh, he he did get the 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 weird fluke win against DC. I I don't know why I considered it a fluke. It was a pretty good. No, nah, he knocked him out legit. He, he got the, he out the knockout. Legit. It was pretty he knocked solid. Knocked him but, out legit. But uh, in the the first fight, I mean, he Bones couldn't defend those. Bones either. ain't and, making those same mistakes. I'll tell you that right. Fuck no, me. no. But but and, and again, like DC is also like you know he's like five foot ten in like two hundred and fifty pounds. Well, the, you know? the like, whole thing, the whole thing that 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 Stipe said, and he said it afterwards, was he wanted to go after DC's conditioning and he yeah. wanted to attack his body. And what was hurting DC were the kicks and the punches to the body. The body he shots wore were nasty. DC's body out. And if you remember, he wore DC's body out. He hurt DC the body and then finished up top, beat his fucking did knocked him out. 
Um, I don't think he's going to be able to do that with Buck. Nah. May- maybe again, the, I, I want to do a maybe. And when I say maybe, I want to preference it with like 10%, 15% confidence when I say that maybe, like maybe because it's a fight and shit happens. And, and he just fights the perfect game plan with the combination of Jones just isn't really motivated, but Jones was saying a lot of shit after that fight, talking yeah. about if he beats Stipe, that makes him in his mind the GOAT. And Jones does that thing where sometimes the self-motivation is more motivation than anything, with, I believe, with a guy like Bones. And that self-motivation, you could see, was already coming out of him right yeah. after that fight. Hey, man, I see Stipe. I respect Stipe. I consider that guy the GOAT, and therefore if I beat him, Fucking checkmate. Now I'm the fucking goat. You can't make that argument. But you know what? Even him calling Stipe the goat was, I think it was more of a sales tactic. The hype up the fight tactic. Because we all know, like, even even a casual casual fight fan is going to be like, who's Stipe Miocic? Like, oh, he won the championship once? Okay. Yeah, I think on the the grand scale of things, a casual, my casual. I I worry about this. Like, we do. This guy was great four years ago. Yeah. That was four years ago. Like, we can't we can't preference what Stipe was doing it, in twenty. Stipe's only chance of surviving the fight, let alone win the fight, is by sharpening up his boxing skills, which he had going on when he was making it to the title. I agree. When he made his I run agree. to the when he made his run to the title, it's like the guy only boxed. That was the only thing he did, and it just he's such he's a fluid boxer. I'm telling you, if if Stipe was 25 years old and he got into boxing, he'd be a champion. The guy's got, he's got great hands, great movement. Uh, But I'm telling you, if he can't get hyped up for this fight and motivated for this fight, John Jones is going to finish this fight in like three to four minutes. Yeah, I think even if he does, and even at his best training, I think at his best training, and if we're going to get peak Stipe, Maybe he lasts two rounds. Yeah, maybe two. He makes it out of that first. I'd give him I, two, but that, I'm again like you, you know said, why? 15, you know I'm why giving I give him like twenty five percent chance of making. You know it why I give round. him two? Because I think, and this is best, Stipe. He's able to avoid takedowns for the first few minutes, and he's able to pepper John with jabs and keep his distance, keep his distance, circle, circle, circle. At some point. John is going to fucking close the distance with them long ass arms, like you talked about, and those long legs. And at some point, he gets you looking at the kicks, looking at the teeps, looking at the arms, looking at him grabbing at you, not necessarily punching, but he does that grabbing thing where he tries to control your wrist while you're standing. He just fucking gets into your between your ears. And that's when he's going to be able to close that distance and take Stipe down. Now, again, best Stipe. Stipe is able to just fucking make it uncomfortable and make and and avoid the chokes, avoid submissions, uh, you know, be able to keep a a base, if you will, to just avoid from being submitted. Right? Basically, he's just in a mount. And they get to the second round, and John is gonna do the exact same fucking thing, right? Exact same fucking thing. And I don't think Stipe is gonna be able to do that for ten minutes. I think at some point he breaks. Or he takes a shot and says, "Fuck it, I gotta, I gotta try this, I gotta try that." He exposes his neck, and then that's when that's when John slaps a choke on him. Yeah, John, I, again, the chokes. John John Jones is. I don't know if I want to label him the the goat of MMA, but he is the goat of the UFC. And that's even it. now, even now, like he's I said, he, he, even now coming in after a huge layoff, 
all these, you know, court things and just stuff that would just usually throw a person completely mentally off of everything except for, you know, uh, especially fighting, right? Like, why are you worried about fighting when you're worried about, like, you know, possibly going to jail or paying mm -hmm. people, you know, money? And and John Jones did, did all that. He comes in, he takes a fight against Cyril Gain. It's not like he's one of those bottom 10 heavyweights. He's not a bottom 12. Uh -huh. he's, not a, he's a legit, like, I will Stop knock three. you out. I have the power in my hands to put your lights out, like, easily. And he got treated like a kid. I mean, John Jones said he said I treat him like a kid. I don't. I think if they fight that fight ten times, I don't know if it. I don't think there's ten. I don't think Gon wins. I don't think Gon yeah. wins once. And that's my point. If you send Gon to fucking Pakistan for twelve months and he comes back with after training with Khabib and fucking other superhero wrestlers, it, it doesn't. I don't think it changes the fact. No, because even I mean, Daniel, Daniel, Daniel Cormier may have possibly the best wrestling background. Of any Ever. UFC fighter outside Ever. of Mark Coleman or some of these other guys that, that nah, you know. you're right. And and John Jones did the same thing to him. So Okay. <laughs> Let me say this on Bones and then and then we can wrap it up. So the reason uh, I, I heard a lot of people after the Bones fight saying and texting me and saying, Yeah, but what if? What if he didn't do this? And what if he didn't derail his career? And what if he didn't, you know, have these incidents? I don't know if that stuff really put big roadblocks in his career. Like, when we look back at his career, he still fought all the best at 205. I don't believe yeah. he really missed anybody at 205. Like, he fucking beat Texera. He beat the only fight that, in my opinion, was the, the fight that was like, okay, he. I think he lost that fight, but then he came back and he won the rematch. Riz. Was against the Polish kid whose name escapes me right now. Who was Oh, it? Gus. Gus. Gus Gustavuson. Other than that, I, I, he fucking beat everyone at 205, and he beat fucking he beat DC convincingly twice. Yeah. It's a, It's impi It's impossible for me to say there was some road. And now that he's won a heavyweight championship. Oh my gosh. There's no for me personally, there's no way for me to look back at his career and say, Yeah, what if? When he beat everybody. Now, if you want to say, what if he had those instead of that two year break, he fought this person, he fought that person. Would it yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess. The the biggest what if to me is always gonna be Nagani. Like, what if they found a way to figure out that Nagano thing right when it was the hottest fight to make you, years ago? Let me give you my hot take. That's it. Let me give you my hot take. My what if, my biggest what if moment with John Jones is Brock Lesnar. And I'm not even kidding. Mm. I feel like that fight could still happen. Why can't that fight still happen? I mean, it still could. I'm just saying, like, if you, Brock Lesnar is naturally this big, huge, muscular, <laughs> big man. And Why he has an, an Olympic background in wrestling. Like the in his striking, obviously he never super evolved when he was running his uh his USC championship think, run. But it I would be, think, I think it would be competitive. I just think if you were gonna do that fight two years ago, that's still two years removed from Brock's last fight, right? Like what was Brock's last fight? UFC two hundred or some shit like I that. I think it was two hundred, so it's been a so, while. So like okay, so this is what I'm saying. You're still four or five years removed from whatever it is. There's a time lapse there that's big enough to go. 
All right, we're definitely not getting the prime Brock, but it's still a fun fucking fight. It like, would be helpful. It's a dream match. Yeah. It, listen, it's a dream match. We love freak fights. That's never going to change. That's a certified freak fight. You get fucking Bones coming up, and, and one of his first two fights at heavyweight, fighting fucking uh, our boy Brock Lesnar, former UFC champion, one of the biggest stars of that company and crossover stars. No, that's a fucking super fight. That's a f- you can chalk that right next to fucking Mayweather versus McGregor. Like in my opinion, that goes up there with the super fights. Um, I I think you're right, but I also think that that fight could still happen. But again, wait, it's 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 just too late. Now that this is why I think the Stipe fight might be too late, and I think if you, in my opinion, the Nuganu fight still it's there to be made, and I don't give a fuck what Dana says. He could say before that fight, this, you know, Nuganu's out. He can say after that fight, Naganu's out. Dude, this guy fucking beats Stipe easily. I, I'm sorry. People are going to start clamoring for that fight. The public's going to start asking for that fight. Don't let Bones have a fight uh, on Aspinall and it does a bad draw rate and it does a bad pay-per-view number because pe- that's when people are going to start saying, oh, fuck, you know what? Maybe Nagano, maybe they do need each other. Maybe Nagano needs Bones as much as Bones needs Nagano, right? I heard Chael may say it a few days ago. Where what's Nagano doing? What is he doing? Does he have a fight announced? Does he have anything set up? Where where's his big prize fight? There's nothing on the docket as of yet. Not to say nothing could come up, but the the clock is ticking. Yeah, and, uh, and here's the here's the thing too is like with John guys like Jones and I think that Connor kind of got up into this category and probably a few others but very few. You get to a certain point where you can't just fight like the next guy. You know what I mean? Like John Jones, yeah, you got to be gone, But do you want to see him fight Pavlich? Like, is that is that going to be a draw? You got. See, it would yeah, be a good is, fight, but will it be a draw? And that's what that's is, what uh, that's where the UFC needs to start looking yep. at. You just stole the words out of my mouth. Well, this is where the UFC branding needs to come in and go. Let's take Tui. Let's take Spivak. Let's take fucking Aspinall. Let's take whoever, and let's do a four way round robin. Ooh, shit. And whoever comes out of this four way round robin, you're hoping there's. You're hoping. You get a guy like Pavlik who knocks fucking Aspinall out and then knocks out fucking whoever. And now you've created a monster. Now you've built a star. Now you go, God, this guy's got back-to-back knockouts in the heavyweight division. And, and now this is the guy that's fucking calling out Jones. And now you do this fight. And, of course, it's at 2024. But still, <laughs> you've got to create that star. It right? has to be. And, and, other, and, and we, we talk, we talk about we this scenario all the time with the UFC is – is whether it's their failure or maybe it's the athlete's failure or or some somebody dropped the ball when you, you have to say it's a combination when, when you have these guys that they're just not stars they could be stars but they're just promotional promotional wise they haven't been promoted correctly and now you look at the UFC now the heavyweight division which was really just kind of a low ball you know type division for last few years now John Jones is at the top of the mountain but who do you, who do, who does he fight who makes that that hundred million dollar draw? You know, like who, who makes that that pay per view sell? I mean, John Jones can do a lot of it just by having his name attached to it, but he can't do it all. You got to have like a certain kind of opponent. You can't just have him fight, you know, Spivak, who's sixteen and three. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's just it, it's not the draw that people are going to want. They want something big. It's messy. 
All right, we went a little long on this, and I did want to hit a QB carousel before we get out of here, Jazz. Well, a new new part of the QB carousel just dropped. Daniel Jones and the New York Giants just struck a deal while we were in the middle talking about John Jones. Yes. No shit. How much? Uh, It's a four-year deal about – it's a big one, though. I guarantee it. Uh, four-year deals. but So the All dollar right. signs will be coming up sometime, but I just <laughs> yeah, got it. it just well, to deal with Jones. That's, a, that's intriguing. So, yeah, another, gets the tag. Another domino drop. The dominoes are now dropping on the mid-tier quarterbacks here. Daniel Jones got paid. Geno Smith got paid. And we had a little bit of movement here, if you will. The New Orleans Saints have a new quarterback. It is Derek Carr. From the Fresno State Bulldogs. Shout out our Bulldog listeners. Go dogs, get them dogs, go get them dogs. Just give me some thoughts here on the ebb and flow of the quarterback carousel. Well, I don't we, – we, this happens like every few years, maybe more with quarterbacks. Quarterbacks, typically if you're a quarterback and you're considered a franchise guy, you get a couple big contracts before you move on. Derek Carr, I believe, got one big contract. And now here he is getting his second big contract, but with his second team, which will now be the New Orleans Saints. It's a four-year deal, $105 million. It's a big deal, but it's in, and I'm guessing that Daniel Jones's uh, numbers will be similar to Derek's. That's, that's my guess. I think they'll be but, higher. I heard he was asking for a shitload more money. I heard he was asking for like 40 million a year. Or something good like Lord that. in heaven. I'm Jeez. telling you. He the was banks, asking for we, we, now we know why with the United States is, is, is trillion dollars in debt because all these NFL players are getting the bags. The, I think uh, he might have asked for forty five. I'm telling you, Jesse, he was asking. For I think I, I think I did hear somewhere that he was asking for somewhere around 44, 44 and a half. So Jesse, so I, I don't did, know what he got. So we add Derek Carr to a great defense now uh, with an Alvin Kamara defense with a elite running back. And the big knock I've heard all week is. Raiders never had anything better than a top 28 defense. They never had a top 10, top 5, top 15 defense, which is intriguing to me because I always thought that Max Crosby was like a, a good defensive player. I could have swore they had some guys there. Uh, but with that said, do you believe that this moves the needle for New Orleans? Is this a scenario where in all of a sudden they might be in the front row seat to win the NFC South, which is really weird right now. It's an influx division, if you will. Definitely, definitely. Uh, if you look at all the other starting quarterbacks in the NFC South, there's not really a true starting, you know, franchise caliber quarterback. Now the Saints have, and and I I believe that you've been on the same bandwagon as I have. I've always said that I have a, a strong belief that, that Derek is is a phenomenal quarterback. He is a franchise quarterback. Uh, he just, you know, the Raiders over the last couple of years have had issues and, you know, Derek, he gets, he can get sporadic, but so does 70% of, uh, you know, every other starting quarterback in the league. They all have their, their games where they throw two or three picks and whatever. Mm-hmm. I think Derek to new Orleans is a great idea for one. It takes him out of this huge spotlight Avenue that Las Vegas had built, you know, the new stadium, you know, the, the, the Las Vegas atmosphere. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think that that mixes well with, with Derek and his lifestyle. It's, it doesn't really, yeah. it doesn't super really Christian, run well. Christian AF. Yeah. Super Uber Christian guy. And then you stick him in the middle of Las Vegas and have him like doing the like, interviews and podcasts and stuff with all I think going to New Orleans is great. You can completely make up storylines that attach him to Drew Brees' time in New Orleans and how Drew Brees is also, you know, an uber-Christian guy. 
Now you just have this this uh, timeline of quarterbacks, and obviously uh, the quarterback situation between Jameis Winston and the and the Saints were not working, and uh, you know for for good reasons. You know Jameis is not a terrible quarterback, but he's not a great quarterback either. Now you bring in a guy who's definitely above average. He's a franchise style quarterback who can be in New Orleans for the next four to you know four to eight years. And will he win a Super Bowl? I don't think so. Not unless New Orleans really pulls triggers when it comes to, you know, free agency and stuff like that. But he's definitely going to get them to the top of the NFC South. I think that this definitely swings the momentum towards the Saints. Keep in mind, Jess, there were a lot of those Raider games where Carr was, you know, three minutes left, five minutes left, and, and he had to be the guy, right? They're down seven, they're down four, they're down six, and there were a lot of games where, you know, he was in 27, 23 shootouts, 30, 27 shootouts. They're playing the Chargers. The Chargers put up five. The, the Chargers put up 34 points. And he's got, he was in a lot of games where he was asked to do a lot. And I understand that your quarterback's going to be asked to do a lot. But sometimes it's good to have a quarterback to go, hey, you know what? Our defense is, is the, the sole proprietor here. And we just need you to not turn the ball over. Yeah, we need you to make some plays. Yeah, we need you to move the chains. But ultimately, we don't need you to come out and have to be a Mahomes or a Josh Allen. We don't need, you know, the entire offense doesn't have to run specifically fluid through you. We can run the ball. We can run some elaborate plays. We can do some different stuff. But more importantly, we can have a defense which gets us turnovers which gets us more time to have time possession, which gets our offense more time to get clicking on the field as opposed to, you know, three and outs, three and outs, three and outs, shit like that. Um, I think that I'm, I'm really interested in seeing what they do. Um, I, I, I don't want to, you know, say so early in the, you know, before the draft. Well, now I would put them in the front seat, but I think the argument can be made. We're going to clearly have, some what would you say here stock down on tampa bay we still have no idea what the fuck's going on with the falcons i thought if anything they were going to be in the lamar hunt but now with lamar just getting franchise tag which just happened right before we started recording the show yes. here jeff now i have no i don't know what they're doing i guess they're going back to the kid they go um, back to ritter i guess and and then you got carolina as well who was in that what sam Darnold? i mean they were, they were in the Derek Carr sweepstakes and they lost so i i don't know what route they go maybe they pay a lot of money to jimmy g i'll tell you and let me say this we're doing a lot of quarterback carousel stuff let me get this one last take and then i'll let you get in we'll get, and we can wrap it up the raiders the i heard the raiders talking about looking at jimmy g okay Jimmy G is the exact same quarterback, if not worse, than what Derek Carr is. The reason that Jimmy G was so great was, of course, he had a lot of great playmakers around him, but he had an elite defense. He had a top three, top five defense around him at all times. So th that's what made him look so good, was not just, you know— Debo and, and the running backs and the and the great coach that can put him in all these opportune spots and uh, you know hide his deficiencies but also shine a light on what he does great. He had that defense. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy G goes to fucking Vegas. He's going to run into that same problem that Derek Carr did. They're going to ask Jimmy G to win games with his arm, and he can't do it at the high levels. We saw it in some playoff games that he lost. Now you're asking him to do it against Kansas City, 
against Denver, who's better? Against the Chargers? Mm, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so either. I agree with you. Jimmy G, if the Raiders go all in with the Jimmy G sweepstakes, I think that it's a losing effort. Uh, If I'm the Raiders at this point in time, you know, I'm I'm going to – I'm trying my best to – I mean, honestly, there's, there's still some quarterbacks out there, but none that I really would, would gather, no you know, no make flashes. flashes. They're not going to really – they're not going to win you an extra three games this, this next season. Uh, I, I would just honestly wait. I would play out whoever I got or maybe draft a quarterback. I mean, maybe you can trade up in the draft Later. and get something. Nah. Or you can you can maybe pick a, pick a guy in the second, maybe third round, and just try him out like a Brock Purdy type guy. But the Raiders really should just stand stand pat right now and just kind of ride this out till next season and see where things where things go. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're going to end up overpaying a Jimmy G, and you didn't want a Derek Carr. And Derek Carr can at least get the ball down the field, where we know for a fact that Jimmy G can only get the ball down the field like what once once or twice every ten throws. So use I mean, your I feel use like use your draft there. picks. I agree with you. Use your draft picks to build equity within your team on the offensive and defensive line, defensive backs. Shore up the spots that you need. Uh, this coach is all in on the Stidham kid or whoever the kid was that he had starting late last year. Yeah, Jared Stidham, ride, the former ride, Patriot. Ride him out and maybe take a quarterback on a day three or day four, throw him in the mix, and like you said, reshuffle the deck next year, see who's yeah. available next year. Uh, shout out to Geno Smith, who just got the bag from the Seattle Seahawks. Three years, uh, I think his was like $100 million for three years, so he's actually uh, ticking ticking upward there in the, the cash flow. This guy is deserving of some money. He had a fantastic year. He broke like every single Seattle Seahawks passing record there was last season. Uh, the, the guy's, I mean, he's a magnificent leader in the locker room. He's quiet. He's humble. I'm glad to see guys like that get the bag. So congrats, congrats to Gino. Yeah, shout out Gino. I think it'll be interesting to see what they go into next year as well. When they, they got a hell of a running back in Ken Walker. They got uh they still got their they still got receivers. Receivers. They they need to beef up that defense and bring back the Legion of Boom or uh, some some semblance of the Legion Shore of Boom. Throw it up on the draft. Throw it up in the draft. Don't they got a bunch of Denver's picks or some shit? I can't remember. All right, uh, Jess, hit hit the wrap. I'm pretty sure they got quite a few draft picks. All right, folks. The quarterback carousel will not stop. The NFL free agency and offseason is just just getting underway. So we got lots of time to talk about all that stuff. Uh oh, should, we completely blew it. We did not even we do pickums. We did not even do pickums for the UFC. No, we now. didn't. Uh, you know what I think we should do as uh, I and or, or myself, we will just go on to Twitter and do pickums. Yes. And so this is what we will do. This will lead me into my next. Follow us on Twitter. Our only source of social media that we truly use. You can follow Jason at Valdez spelled backwards five five nine. You can follow me at JTT eighty one, and you can follow the podcast where we will put up the picks at Team Toss 21. And don't forget to follow our supporters and network that we run with now, Variety Sports Network, at Variety underscore sports. Folks, that's it for us. We will talk to you guys next week about some more sports, of course. That's it. Peace, guys.